Welcome to church. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series, DIY Faith. Through the series, we're exploring God's blueprints for our lives. Pastor Barry is sharing his message, God's blueprint for the church and our place in it. If you're new here, we'd love to get you connected with our community. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. Check out our bulletin if you want to see what's happening here at Calvary. On it, you can find information about the ministries and events coming up that we'd love for you to be a part of. We're so glad you could join us today. conversation this last week with a friend of mine, I think the Holy Spirit showed me, helped me understand the situation, this situation that you as a church are in from your perspective. I know this cognitively, uh, but I believe God helped me understand with my heart. And if I'm honest with you, I don't envy your situation. I can see it being very difficult to grieve the passing of the pastor that you loved for so many years. I knew O.J. and loved him and had a high respect for him. And yet at the same time, you're being asked to make a decision about who will lead you in the future. It's a delicate tension to grieve so deeply and yet be faced with a decision about where to now and what do we do now. So I don't envy the tension that you face Lorianne and I have had a lot of grieving over the last little while. And I just, I guess I just invite you to open your heart to what the Holy Spirit would have for you and for this church and for us. Together, let's take a risk with God and let's see what he will do. Let's pray. God, I thank you that there is no situation that surprises you. Even the passing of OJ, God, we we loved him. We miss him. And this church misses him. And so, God, I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and minister? Would you come and comfort in these moments even now as we reflect and we remember these things? Would you be real with each one of us? I ask that you would bring joy in the midst of the grieving. Joy that you have this covered from start to finish. You've got each one of us covered from the beginning of our life to the end of our life. You know us, you love us, and you care intimately 
about how we are doing. So I just invite you, Holy Spirit, would you manifest your presence here this morning? And now as we look at your word, may it come alive for us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Help us to understand, and would you begin to give us a glimpse as to what you have for each of us, no matter where we've come from today, no matter what the burdens or the joy or the excitement, what's going on in our life, would you help us see what you have for us today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever watched the series, How It's Made? I think it's pretty cool. There's an almost endless binge from how race cars, race car wheels are made, to lipstick, to candy, to guitars. They covered a lot of things, from the aluminum foil, the snowboards, the contact lenses, and the bread of that first episode almost 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And for those of us who are curious and inquisitive about life, it's a great watch. You know, my dad had an insatiable passion to learn how things were made. He used to tell me stories of when, at Christmas, he'd be getting gifts from mom and dad. And the first thing he would do is run up to his room and take the gift apart, take the toy apart. He wanted to understand how it worked. And even when my grandparents got upset at him and threatened to stop giving him gifts, it didn't stop his propensity to understand for him learning was his playing. And I realized that some of that has come down to me. I am fascinated by how things work. Areas of mechanical engineering, for instance, have not been that interesting, if I'm honest with you. I haven't pursued it that much. But things in construction and real estate, love it. But the area that that intrigues me probably the most is the kingdom of God. I find an insatiable desire to understand how the kingdom of God works, how the spiritual realm and the physical realm intersect, how brokenness and and evil influence us, and the road to healing and freedom. How can we experience this life that Jesus talks about when it seems like we can't control our emotions at the best of times, and sometimes we just make such poor decisions? What are those things that make a mess of relationships? And how could we change them? So sociology and psychology are very intriguing to me. And it doesn't matter whether the person that I'm talking to is following Jesus or not. Exploring how to influence people to experience God through Jesus Christ and discover how he's designed them, how, what he's intended for them, really gets me going. And I don't know what it is that you find yourself intrigued over. I hope it's something. Lifelong learning, I believe, is essential in growing and making life interesting. One area that some people are intrigued over is how God has designed the church to work. What did God have in mind when he started the church? For those, of, for those who are seeking to understand life and faith and purpose, they often wonder where God and the church fit into these things. They wonder about what they were made for. What would they ever have something to offer? Well, when looking at DIY faith and God's blueprint for life, one thing we need to understand is that anyone who follows Jesus for anyone who follows Jesus Christ, 
The church is an integral part, an essential part of that blueprint. And perhaps understanding some of God's original intent in how the church is designed to work may help you find your place in it. You know, for my portion in this summer series, we're looking at the fourth chapter of Ephesians. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. This is a real church. It's not a, uh, a made-up group of people in the author's mind. It's recorded in the Bible. And you'll find it in the table of contents. God, through the Holy Spirit, who inspired the Bible through its humans, human authors, knew our curiosity that he created, created us with. And so I believe he includes this portion to give us windows into who he has created the church to be and how he's designed it to work. And I wonder how much of this actually is different than what you think and perhaps different than what you've experienced. You see, Paul loved the church. It was, he was intrigued by the church. And a number of times, he calls it a mystery. If he were here today, he'd probably have his own segment on how it's made. But before we look at the passage today, let us just establish what God means by the church. He's not talking, he's not referring to a building as we often think of it, like we're meeting in here today. The word for church in the original Greek language is ekklesia, which translated means assembly or called out ones. The ecclesia talked about in the Bible are people called out to live differently than the world around us. So when we refer to the church for our purposes here today, we are talking about the gathered assembly of those who change their priority from this life, from the kingdom of this world, to God. And to the realm where God rules, which is called the kingdom of God. The church is comprised of those who are surrendering their life to God through Jesus Christ. And he refers to this group as his family, his community. Another place, it's the bride of Christ. And in our text today, it is the body of Christ. This is the most common illustration of the church in the Bible. Jesus Christ is not physically with us here on this earth. And so the church is Christ's visible body here on earth. In other words, the church, both large group like this and small group assemblies, the purpose of it is to give a visible picture of who Jesus Christ is to the world. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone who is attending a church gathering, either in large group or in small group, are followers of Jesus yet. There is often a mix of those who have already decided to follow Jesus Christ and those who are trying to figure out whether they will or not. And maybe you find yourself someplace on this spectrum. Well, regardless of where you're at, let's look at our portion of Scripture today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Perhaps you also can follow along just on the screen. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, which is the chapter right next to this, teaches that Christ is the head of the church. That means he's the leader. He's the top authority. He's the boss when it comes to the health, to the direction, and to the priorities for his church. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now we know that Christ loves the church. Again, that's Ephesians 5. He's committed to her. He cares about how his called out ones are doing and how the church, his body, portrays him. And so, to set his church up for a win, it says here that Christ gives. Christ gives something significant to her. You'll notice the word, oh, no, sorry, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You'll notice the word but. Paul is bringing together this concept of unity that we talked about a couple weeks ago in verses 1 to 6 with a parallel emphasis now on diversity. He is moving from the all that he talks about in verse 6, who are a part of the church, to each individual who makes up the church. This is very significant because he's not just talking about how all of us are to be getting along, which are some great patterns of relating, healthy relating, He's now speaking to each one of us and is saying that we each have something that Jesus Christ has been, that has given to us in order to benefit others. Unity is not conformity or uniformity. And as much as God loves and relates to us as a body, he loves and he relates to us as individuals. He has a purpose for the entire church, and he has a purpose for each one of us individually as a part of that whole. God is gracious because of who he is, not because of who we are or what we've done. Therefore, his grace is unmerited. It is unearned. It is undeserved. It it depends entirely on him who gives it and not on us who receive it. It doesn't matter who you are today. There is nothing that you can do to earn or deserve God's love and his grace. This is fascinating. I love this stuff. In this case, here in our text, grace represents both supernatural ability to do something significant in the kingdom of God and the enabling power or the enabling strength to actually do it, where the function of these spiritual gifts produce what they are intended and designed to produce. God's grace is self-motivated, it is self-generated, and it is a sovereign act of giving, and he does it for the benefit of the church. Paul says here, Christ gives certain spiritual gifts. 
Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, for some of us, these terms may be confusing. Let's define them briefly. There's actually an appendix. Uh, There is another sheet that looks like this. That's available out in the foyer. If you are online, um, it will be available in the resources there on the the Facebook family. um, No, the Calvary family Facebook page. There, got it. So let's look at these briefly. Um, There's a study there for you to go more in depth. Apostleship. The gift of apostleship is the supernatural ability to receive visions, to receive ideas from God for new ministry initiatives and have the energy and the determination to follow through. This spiritual gift resembles a spiritual entrepreneur. When they cast a vision and call others to pursue this ministry initiative, people tend to follow their leadership. They tend to submit to their authority. People with this gift often hear from God regarding the current health of a church and areas that need maturity, areas that need growth or correction. It says Christ gave some to be prophets. This is the supernatural ability to speak forth or to proclaim and interpret messages from God regarding current events, regarding future events, revelations, or truths pertaining to a given situation. It can be both forth-telling, proclaiming things which are unseen and things that God has already revealed in his word, and it can be foretelling, which is speaking of things that are yet to come. People with this gift also tend to hear from God regarding the current health of a particular church and areas that need maturity, areas that need encouragement, growth, or correction. Then Paul says that Jesus gave some to be evangelists. This is the supernatural ability to share the message of Jesus with people who don't know him yet, with the hope, with the expectation, and often the result that people do choose to follow Jesus Christ. It mentions pastors. This is the supernatural ability to guide, to oversee, to shepherd, and to spiritually build up a specific group of believers in matters concerning their faith in Christ and their role in the local church. Then lastly, he mentions teachers. This is the, the spiritual gift of teaching is different than the natural ability or the natural talent of teaching. It is the supernatural ability to accurately communicate God's word in ways that people understand spiritual truths. They understand spiritual insights, and then therefore they learn, they grow, and they mature in Christ Jesus. Again, this sheet is available. You can pick it up on your way out uh, this morning for more study. There are more supernatural spiritual gifts listed in Scripture than these five. And I'd encourage you, if this is new to you, start to dive in. Figure out what the Holy Spirit has given you. But what did Jesus Christ have in mind when he chose these particular five? What was he thinking? 
He says that they have a particular role, a particular task in the structure and the leadership of the church. Christ gives these five specific spiritual gifts to equip followers of Jesus, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. This is their primary role. For those of you who have the perspective that you're hiring a pastor to do all the work for you, Paul is saying you got it all wrong. Their job is to equip you to do what Jesus Christ has uniquely gifted you to do. If they do it for you, how does that help you? It actually stunts your growth. It stunts your maturity and your trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you just might begin to think that the church is just here for you, just to serve you and your needs and your family. It is, but it's so much more than that. Being part of a church is not like the consumerism of our culture, where you can take or leave what you want, and if they don't serve us well, well, I'm just going to go find a church that does. Now, there are reasons to leave a church, but this is not one of them. You may say, well, I don't have one of those five gifts. And then begin to think, well, there's nothing more for me to do here then. Remember, Christ gives spiritual gifts to every believer at the moment that we choose to follow him and surrender our life to him. We immediately have a fit. We immediately have a place in the body of Christ. It's part of the work of the Holy Spirit that he does in us and he wants to do through us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And just like our physical bodies, all the parts working together, you perform, they perform much better. They function as each part does its part well. And when a particular piece doesn't work well, the rest of the body suffers. And the older I get, the more I feel it. Without experimenting with, without taking a hold of our spiritual gifts, those supernatural abilities that Christ has given you, the rest of the body suffers because you're not doing your job. If you've been a part of a church that wasn't working well, is it partly because you weren't working well? You weren't doing your part to build it up, to strengthen it. Is it possible that a particular area wasn't working because you weren't contributing to make it work? Have you been talking to the Holy Spirit about these things? God has designed these five specific gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastors and teachers, to equip the rest of us to fulfill what Christ has already designed us to do. It doesn't matter your personality. It doesn't matter your temperament or your natural abilities. We each have a part to play. We each have a meaningful contribution to what God is doing and wanting to do in his church and through us to the community around us, to the world around us. 
And the image of Christ to the world is marred. It's not complete. If you're not doing your job. If I'm not doing my job. My part. Now, I think it's important to point out one small word here that changes the nuance of these five gifts. And it is the word some. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. You see, Christ didn't just give spiritual gifts, but he gives people with these spiritual abilities as gifts to the church. These five specific gifts have been given by Christ himself to people who were designed to lead the church for all of our benefit. This leadership is responsibility that God will hold them accountable for. It is not an easy task, but a mantle of spiritual authority that comes with its weight. 2 Timothy 4.12, Paul is mentoring a young pastor, and he just talks about some of these tasks. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. It is good for us to follow their leadership. It's good for us to be taught, to be shaped, to be corrected, even rebuked when necessary so that the body of Christ functions well as each of us do our part. It takes a high level of humility and dependence upon the Holy Spirit to lead well. And so God calls us to honor those over us in the Lord. Now let's be clear on something else. Those who lead this church, whether it's Calvary overall or a small group leader, these people are not God. And they, they are not perfect, will not be perfect. They're human. They're often broken in the ways that the rest of us are broken. They will make mistakes. But they are intended to lead. And they are intended to be used by God to shape the church to be a great portrayal, a great picture, an experience of who Christ is. And even me personally, there are times I sit on both sides of this issue. As a pastor, I'm often in the place of leadership and authority like this in preaching and teaching, for instance. And at the same time, I am under authority and needing to submit. I get, I, I understand the responsibilities and the challenges of both sides. Small group leaders, for example, are not independent of the overall church leadership. They are accountable, just like the rest of us, to church leadership. It doesn't matter what level of leadership a person is at in the church. All of us are under authority and called to submit in some way. And ultimately, we are all under the authority of Christ who was the head of the church. Isn't it cool how God's designed? I love how he's designed the blueprint for the church. And if you don't know what your gifts are, can I encourage you? Go after him. Start asking the Holy Spirit because he's actually the one that distributes these gifts for Jesus. Ask him what supernatural ability he's given you. Start to, experience, uh, to experiment with some. Just start to serve in some area. Ask about your places of work 
Ask about places around here. What about your neighbors? What has God given you? Maybe ask your small group to speak into your life. What do they see? What do they perceive? Ask your small group leader. Maybe do a study on spiritual gifts as a group. This is part of our part in a DIY faith. Now, you may wonder, why would God give me something? What can I do? Well, Paul answers that question. Christ gives certain spiritual gifts to equip followers of Jesus for the building up of the church. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God's intention is that his church be strong, that it be healthy, that we relate to others in ways that encourage them, that that build them up. That's why God has designed the church as an essential part of of his blueprint for our life. We need this. The world around us has enough negativity, has enough nasty patterns of relating that only tear us down. God doesn't want that for his people. He has something far better, far healthier, far more enjoyable than the rejection and the name-calling and the character-smearing and the revenge-oriented discouragement of much of the world around us. I mean, who wants to be a part of a group like that? And if that's the way that we relate to each other in the church as representatives of Christ, then who would want to follow Jesus Christ? I believe that's why Scripture teaches us, even right here in Ephesians, how gossip, slander, backstabbing, belittling others, a condescending attitude are all Patterns of relating that tear others down instead of build them up. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your experience has been. Every one of us, I believe, can, can encourage and build another person up. Look for things they're good at. Tell them. Notice when someone serves and does a good job. Tell them. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Perhaps you've noticed this as well, but this often doesn't happen during large group gatherings like this. That's what's so cool about small group. I have been encouraged. I have been built up by others in small group like I, have, I haven't been in other areas of my life. It is so helpful. It's been so meaningful for me. Just watch the internal environment of your group and how it will change if we start taking this instruction seriously. This is one of the purposes of the church. He has structured it this way because he wants us to be a part of something that he is building for our benefit and the benefit of those around us. Because really, in the end, when we live and we operate like this, we portray a much more accurate picture of who Jesus Christ is to the people around us. What can you do to build somebody else up today? Christ gives certain spiritual gifts 
to equip followers of Jesus for building up the church. He also does it for unity. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We've talked about this kind of unity a couple weeks ago. We won't go any further now. Lastly, he has structured the church in this way because he wants us to mature. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, say it out loud, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, maturity has this idea of becoming ripe, like fruit. Not rotten, but ripe. For people, it's like becoming the best that God has created us to be. When it comes to spiritual maturity, it's like us becoming like Jesus Christ within our personality, within our temperament. It's becoming like who Jesus Christ is. The ultimate goal of following Jesus Christ in this life is to become more and more like him. In our attitudes, in our choices, in what we value and we pursue, and how we interact emotionally and how we treat other people. This is the lifelong journey of becoming like Christ. Knowing the truth of studying God's word, meditating or reflecting on how we best love others, choosing to obey Jesus in how we are to live. These are all ways that we gain knowledge and understanding to move towards maturity. These things are good. They're right, and we need to be about them. But can I warn you? Knowledge itself puffs up. The Bible teaches that knowledge and information are meant to bring transformation to our broken ways of relating to each other. If all we have is knowledge of the Bible and what it teaches, but we don't obey it much, or we still are rude and we're ignorant and we mistreat, mistreat the people around us, that's not spiritual maturity. That's emotional immaturity. Spiritual maturity requires us to become emotionally mature because it's out of our brokenness. It's out of our wounded emotions that we react to people that we react to circumstances that dishonor God and it hurts ourselves and we hurt those around us. Again, this is the beauty of small group. From my own experience, small group has had a significant influence in my life. They have spoken into my life in ways that has been transforming for me. I've had leaders, I've had other people in small group members give me feedback that's been invaluable. Barry, did you know that you can come across condescending to others? No, I didn't know that. Barry, could you just change the look on your face? You look angry when you speak. Okay, I think I can work on that. Bear, have you forgiven that person? Ouch. Thanks for calling me on that. I guess I haven't. Bear, it sounds like you're just whining and complaining. <gasps> okay, uh, God, how can I trust you in this circumstance, in this situation? You know, what if someone ever said to you, 
What if they said, do you ever encourage anyone? You just seem quite critical and negative. I've just never heard you encourage anyone. If we are humble and we respond well, this kind of feedback is really helpful from those who know us well, that love us and are committed to our health and our holiness. It moves us towards maturity. Think of the change that would occur in your family. Think of the change that would occur in your relationships, maybe in your places of work, your reputation, if you just change some of these things. That's what I find so intriguing about church in small group. You know, if all you do is attend weekend services like this or just listen online, these kinds of conversations rarely happen. And some of us like it that way. I get it. But I believe that growth happens best for us in the context of small group. And this is consistent, quite frankly, with what Pastor OJ was about, what the leadership of this church was about. One of the reasons I got a relationship with your pastors and with Pastor OJ was because we were talking about how to bring the church down this kind of a road. They believed in it. They were beginning to pursue it before he got sick. This is why God has included the church as an integral part of his blueprint for our life. And when we agree with God and we work with him in becoming mature, the Holy Spirit naturally begins to produce some other things in us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit then produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's read it out loud together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, it's easy for us to forget that last one on that list. I don't really like that one. I think another marker for maturity is our ability and commitment to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16, but I say, Paul writes, walk by the Spirit and you will not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Maturity in our emotions, in our faith, in our relationships is the result. It's the preferred future of a church that follows the structure, follows the purpose that Christ has laid out for her. Christ gives certain gifts to equip, equip each believer to build up the church for unity and for maturity. This is the framework that God has created for how the church works best and why it's essential in his blueprint for our life. I love how God has created the church. And just like many of the, how, of the How It's Made episodes, I hope that this not only helps you understand, perhaps a little better, but it creates a desire. It births a desire within you to find your place, your fit in his church. If you are someone who has not chosen to follow Jesus Christ yet. You've been trying to figure that out. Can I invite you in? Can I invite you to make that decision even right now? 
I invite you into the family of God. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to come be a part of his church. If this is where you're at and you're ready to make that decision, can I just lead you in a prayer? It'll be simple. You can just say this kind of quietly, repeat after me, and you can have your own conversation with God. Let's do this now. God, almighty God, I come to you, I sense my need of you in my life. I would like to join your family, the body of Christ. I want to sense your presence in my life. And so I repent, I turn from my sin, and I accept Jesus' forgiveness of my sin, the work that he did on the cross. Holy Spirit, would you come and live inside of me and would you help me find my place in your church? I pray this in your name. And then God, I pray for all of us here. All of us who are someplace on this spectrum of figuring out who you are and whether we're gonna follow you and those of us who have followed you for many, many years. Would you do a work within us? Those of us who have been stuck in some immaturity. Perhaps we've been unwilling to move. We've been unwilling to face some of the things that have gotten us stuck. Holy Spirit, would you soften our heart to these things? Where our heart has become hard towards you and your work. Would you, would you come and give us, ex exchange a heart of stone for a heart of flesh? that is soft and pliable and moldable. And then as we explore, we ask you, Holy Spirit, we're trying to figure out our place, our fit, the gifts that you have given us. Holy Spirit, I'm confident. I ask that you would rush in with your power. You would speak to us. You would lead us, each one, to find our place in your church. God, we love you. There's nothing like in this world like following you. We worship you and we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website, Facebook, or on YouTube and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.